Strike is Bear Family Fun Center Studios. Pat and Cook, John Burton, Greg Pogue, Ryan Callahan, at Ryan Callahan 24-7, Go Vols 24-7 Sports. Hello, Ryan. How you doing, man? Hi, Ryan. Hey. Doing well. How are you guys? Hey, did you hear that? Pro- good. Well, uh, did you hear the promo, Bill King? Is it sustainable? Tennessee success in yeah, football. Yeah, I mean, I don't see – yeah, I don't see why not. That um, they they just won eleven games with a team that I would still argue is nowhere close to to Georgia talent wise, um, and that's you know that showed up when they played Georgia head to head, but they were able to to still beat Alabama and and, and take care of everybody else uh, really on their schedule that they uh, that they had had you know in their way. So I, I think they've got a a real chance to sustain it. You know, at what level? Uh, it, you know, winning 11 games every year, probably not. But, but having a chance to to do something close to that uh, most years, yeah, I, I think that's absolutely sustainable. Uh, if if Tennessee continues to be this tough to defend offensively and, and keeps recruiting at this level, why not? Well, from that we go to men's basketball. What's uh, the mood like in Knoxville? Is it fear and loathing, or is it hey, we'll be okay? Let's just get to the uh, let's just get to March. Uh, what's the, what's the vibe? Definitely not the latter. <laughs> um, I, I think there is a, a certain contingent out there that, that maybe wants to just get it to March and put the ball out there and, and see what happens and is maybe optimistic that this team still can, um, can, can beat anybody on the right day. Right. You know, they've yeah. shown their, they're they're capable of doing that uh, at times. You know, wins over Kansas, Texas, Alabama. Um, but yeah, can they do that consistently enough uh, to to string together two or three wins in the NCAA tournament? That's that's still going to be a challenge uh, for for this team. So yeah, I, I think a lot of concern about just how they've been playing and uh, and and getting healthy. You know, that's that's a big key. Can they get Josiah Jordan James and, and and Julian Phillips back and get back to full strength because it is hard to to win some of these games when you're when you're playing without two starters for for anybody, even with a team like this that has a little more depth. Um, so I, I think just with how this has happened, the fact that it's uh, not all happened against top-notch competition. You know, this week's loss to Texas A&M, you know, I, I would say is a is a much more acceptable loss than a couple of theirs that they've had um, during this run, losing to. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt and Missouri are the two that kind of stand out to a lot of fans as, as being you know, particularly tough to swallow uh, against teams that they were, you know, they, at least on paper, clearly better than. But, you know, that happens in basketball sometimes. And, uh, you know, I, I, so I think a lot of people certainly worried about this team and whether it can rebound, but at the same time know that this team at least has a higher, high enough ceiling that if they continue to fall and end up in a – you know, five or six seed in the NCAA tournament, hey, they're going to be a dangerous five or six seed. Uh, I just think uh, expectations have been adjusted, and maybe that's in some ways a good thing because I think they were on a collision course to be a two seed that a lot of people were picking to get upset in the second round of the Sweet 16, and now uh, people are kind of much more aligned with what this team's potential really is probably, knowing there's some upside there, but that this team has some real upset potential in the first or second round because they, their offense could give up on them at any night. Well, no longer regular season Rick, right? Now maybe he'll be postseason Rick. There you right? go. Yeah, about, yeah. yeah they got to flip it, right? <laughs> uh, and, and even so, Tennessee's body of work, I I can't see them worse than a three seed right now in the NCAA net. This morning they're a four, uh, and they've even after some of these losses to Texas A&M, they didn't even move off the three line. They're at a four. 
I, I no worse than a three, Ryan. I don't think. I, I mean, it just depends on whether they have any more losses down the stretch. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people are, are projecting more losses for this team now, just with the way they've played lately. Uh, and it, it, it has turned into a, a bit of a prolonged skid. Now, I will say this. We've, you go back and look at Rick Barnes' resume at Tennessee, the month of February is typically tricky for him. <laughs> He's not had a very good record in the month of February. So a lot of this is very much in line with what his teams have done historically at Tennessee. So uh, is this you know much ado about nothing to a degree? Maybe. Uh, we may see Tennessee lose one more game and then otherwise rebound down the stretch and, and play pretty well in the SEC tournament, and then suddenly, you know, we are looking at a you know a three seed or something like that, and and Tennessee suddenly you know going into March with a little more expectation. Uh, we'll, we'll see that there's still a, a few different ways this could go, but I think definitely with the way the way things have gone lately, the games they've lost. Um, uh, Gary Parrish uh, threw out a stat uh, not not too long ago about this team that uh, I, I want to say Tennessee had more losses against nine top 35 teams in the net, something like that, than anybody else in the top 25, you know. Now that you've got that um, that, that sort of run in the rearview mirror for this team, uh, I think certainly people are going to have lower expectations going to, in the NCAA tournament. But there's still time for them to rebound, and that's, that's the bottom line. It's a tournament sport. They've got a few weeks to figure it out if they can uh, down the stretch here. Well, I'll give it to you right now because I'm looking at it. In the uh, quad two, What's that, Pat? And after one through 30 is quad one, right? Quad two is that next tier. Uh, of They're three and three in those quad two games. The only the next team in the NCAA net to be 500 uh, or worse is Rutgers at 37. Everybody else in their quad twos, the teams you should beat, uh, they're the only team that has does not have a winning record to go. It's quad twos all the way down to 37th place of Rutgers. Hmm. So I guess that's the point, right? Yeah, and and if if, if Tennessee continues that that trend and has a, has a couple more losses uh, in the regular season and and say wins one game in the SEC tournament, and then get gets bounced. You know, there, there's it's hard to imagine the NCAA selection committee not not dinging them a bit more than, than maybe what what the numbers have shown so far because then you'd be looking at a team that's clearly you know not not on an upward swing going into the tournament but if they bounce back you know win win a few more games here in the regular season you know have a pretty good showing in the in the SEC tournament at least win two games something like that you know that, that I could see a, a scenario where they're still right up there as a three seed and, and a team that a lot of people are talking about being at least dangerous if not, you know, destined for the Elite Eight. So we'll see. But I definitely think this this team is uh, it, it's frustrated fans. But at the same time, what team could you take two starters off uh, in the SEC and, and not have some sort of dip like this? And really it's come – if you're looking for optimism, and I'm not sure many Tennessee fans are, are looking at it this way, they've lost a bunch of close games despite having two starters out. You know, that, that's really not – not so bad. They're not getting blown out by people. They're just they're, they're kind of having some some bad fortune late in games, uh, and, and maybe this experience helps them at some at some point, and they they win a close game maybe because of being in some of these situations. Ryan Callahan is our guest. Go Vols twenty four seven at Ryan Callahan two four seven on the Twitter. So Ryan, with that in mind, uh, I feel like I ask you this every week. Any updates on Phillips and Triple J? It's it's kind of a mystery uh, at this point, uh, more more so than than a typical injury. It, it 
I don't know if you caught this on the broadcast. Jimmy Dykes had an interesting uh, statement at, at one point about you know um, maybe making it sound like uh, Desai Jordan James looks like he's capable of playing now, mm. uh, and, and he kind of almost kind of wondered why he wasn't already out there. Um, that there's there's definitely some uh, some thought that that Josiah Jordan James could be back. Uh, I think relatively soon, uh, whether that's tomorrow or uh, next week, we'll we'll see. But I, I do think there's you know at least light at the end of the tunnel there. Uh, Julian Phillips a little bit less certain I feel like, but that uh, I, I think there's at least a good a good bit of optimism that it will be fairly soon for both. Um, and, and you know we'll we'll see. But there's there's at least been some. Uh, some questions about that that make, maybe make that interesting. That is Josiah Jordan James, you know, maybe essentially ready now and just you know kind of choosing uh, to, to to wait a little bit longer. Um, that that's not not really sure what the situation is there. But I thought that was an interesting comment from Dykes that he might not have thrown out there without you know some sort of information behind it. So uh, we'll we'll see. But I think I think we're getting closer. Uh, it didn't feel realistic a week ago. Now, now it feels a, a little more certain that those guys will be at least back pretty soon. Ryan Callahan, Ryan Callahan, twenty four seven, Go Vols twenty four seven. The NFL com, the NFL combine uh, is uh, what starts Tuesday. Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Jeremy Banks, Darnell Wright, Byron Young, and the punter Paxton Brooks. But Hooker is an interesting situation because of the injury, and but how he flashed. Because I think there's going to be some teams that may want to pop up there and take a chance on him for the future. How does it look with his progress, with the rehab and all of that stuff? I know you're not in there every day, but it's going to be interesting to see how teams view him quarterback-wise. Yeah, I certainly don't think he's going to be able to do anything uh, at the combine, uh, at least nothing as significant to, to where that's going to be a, a test of his uh, of his physical uh, attributes. It's going to be more about the interviews and everything there as it is for, for a lot of guys coming off injuries. Um, but there, there is maybe some hope that, that he could be ready to do something a little more by Tennessee's pro day, which I believe is on uh, March 30th. So we'll, we'll see about that. It, it'll depend on his progress between now and then, but uh, he was making good enough progress in the first few months of, of his rehab that, uh, that, that there was some thought that, hey, maybe he can do a little something this offseason. Maybe this isn't a, a complete wash for him to, to that he's going to have to sit out and just, uh, you know, almost view this as a redshirt year. Now, there are some teams that still think, I, I, I know that, that there are some NFL teams thinking this way, that, that he still might not, might not be a guy you can count on for this year. Um, and and that's, that's at least that's probably a smart way to view it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, so many guys have that type of injury and are, are right back out there nine months later. And, you know, he, he could be 100% by the, by the start of the NFL season. Who, who knows? But uh, it's at least something NFL teams have to be aware of. But at the quarterback position, you know, is it, is it enough of a deterrent for someone to take him a little bit earlier than we were thinking a, a few months ago? You know, maybe not. I, I think it's interesting. Maybe not first round, but there, there's at least been enough talk out there of him sneaking into the second round or something like that. That you know, there's a handful of teams that have talked with him a lot. Uh, the Saints are one uh, that, that I know. One mock draft recently had him going to them at number 40. You know, there there could be a, all it takes is one, as we know historically. Uh, you just got to find find the right team willing to, to to jump in there on a guy maybe a little bit sooner than expected. So. Uh, a lot of people thinking maybe he's the fifth or so best quarterback in this draft. If, if you're in that range, you've got a chance to go fairly high. So he'll be a, a, a fascinating test case, I think, for a lot of people 
uh, and, and they'll be looking to see, you know, kind of what the talk is coming out of the combine after he sits down with some of those teams in, in an interview setting. Right. Which one of the other UT guys has a chance to really move up with an impressive combine? You know, I, I think uh, what one I'm interested to see is Byron Young. Uh, I, I think he is he's not the biggest edge rusher out there, so his measurables um, probably not going to do him a ton of favors. But if he can show a a, uh, a, a ton of uh, athleticism out there and, and really move well, I think that that paired with his some of his film, uh, even though his production was a little bit spotty at times in his college career, he still had a pretty good uh, couple of years at Tennessee. Uh, I, I think that, that he's someone that could really help himself. Uh, obviously, Darnell Wright helped himself a lot at the uh, at the Senior Bowl, so that's that's one that you know has already risen up some boards. Uh, the other guy I'm, I'm interested to see if we hear a little more about. Obviously, been a lot of talk about Jalen Hyatt, and I won't be surprised if if he helps himself uh, with a with a nice forty uh, time at the combine. But Cedric Tillman, do, do we do we hear a little bit more about him? coming out of the combine does he run a little bit faster time than people are expecting maybe he's not a guy who's considered a burner speed wise but if he goes and tests well you know he, he sort of sat out the end of the season with that uh with that ankle injury he never really could get healthy uh does that time off help him out and, and does he look uh noticeably better than he did the last time we saw him on the field uh he, he he's a guy that really could maybe be a little bit of a forgotten man in this class that still goes in the second or third round so I think he's he's an interesting to watch, uh, interesting player to watch in the combine. Lots of receivers, obviously, going to be there, and he could certainly move up in that receiver class with a good performance at the at the combine. Well, Hyatt's going to run a time, and you know he ran open, and yeah. I guess that's the question on Hyatt. You know he's got the speed, uh, but people think is it scheme for him, and can he get off uh, defenders? And he because he's never had to do that, quite frankly. Right. T- Tennessee did a good job of using him as, in the way that he needed to be used. Um, he was he was often in the slot, which kept him from facing press coverage a lot. And uh, as you said, they schemed up some things that that sort of helped him get open. But yeah, the speed is is hard to hard to duplicate. And there's a long long list of guys who've gone early in the NFL simply based on speed a lot of times. And, and obviously, some good college production helped. Uh, so, I mean, when you look at the fact that he's the Blitnikoff winner, he did this in the SEC uh, against against really good competition, and he and he's going to have, I think, a pretty strong 40 time to to back that up. Uh, there's going to be a lot for for teams to to <laughs> to have to turn down uh, about his game. It's it's an it's an interesting receiver class. Uh, depending on who you hear talking about it, uh, some people think Hyde's got a chance to go as high as the second or third receiver in this class and and he's you know just about as good as anybody and, and others think it's a it, it's a it's a deep class and and he's just one of the guys in that sort of second tier who's maybe somewhere between the sixth and the 15th best receiver and it's and it's going to depend on how what you think about his route running and things like that but I, uh, he he got open pretty consistently in college and it's going to be hard for teams to ignore that I think when you there are all sorts of you know advanced uh, metrics uh, that, that look at this kind of thing, but his separation uh, I saw somewhere ranked in the 99th percentile uh, uh, among FBS players, I guess that would have been, but it, it was elite uh, how, how often he was open. And that's, that's something NFL teams obviously look at and are going to have a hard time ignoring, even if there were scheme reasons that he got so open, uh, they'll see plenty to work with and say, Hey, we can we can teach him the rest. That's what NFL teams tend to do. Yep. Ryan Callahan, Go Vols 24-7 at Ryan Callahan 24-7. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. 
Absolutely. Thanks, Dad. Have a good weekend. Uh, all of our uh, UT thoughts brought to you by Star Leasing Company.